Good to have you in church. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. Oh, come on. Now look at your second choice and say, you too. <laughs> it is, and it's great to have everyone that's watching us online. You are part of the family, and we're so glad that you're here. And we'd love to meet you in person one day, so come check us out. And uh, we're right in the middle of our series, Can You See It?, which has been such a powerful series. If you weren't here last week and you didn't get to put your sticker on the map for where you live and how God wants to use you, grab a sticker at the welcome booth today, and uh, it's not too late to do that. But all all month long, we've been talking about how God wants us as a church, the church, to reach our communities and um, our cities and our neighbors and our families, and it's just been so powerful. And today, uh, we're actually going to talk about uh, ground zero for Can You See It? But before we get started with that, let's go ahead and pray and just ask God uh, to open our hearts to hear exactly what he wants to speak to us today. So would you pray with me? Lord, we love you, and God, we are just so thankful that uh, we get to be up close and personal and part of your family with you, God. And we just pray this morning as we read your word, God, and we hear from your spirit, Lord, that you would lead us and open our hearts to everything you would like to do in our lives today. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said... Amen. That's right. So can you see it? And what is ground zero for can you see it? Um, you know, every year we put out surveys and we ask you what you want to hear about and, and what are your top uh, topics that you would love to hear messages on. And every time we do that, one of those is parenting. Uh, how do I be a godly parent? How do I raise godly children that love Jesus? And so uh, since that's always in the top five, that is really ground zero because everything that happens on the earth starts in the home and, and with what's going on there and, and knowing Jesus. And so that's what we want to take some time to look at today. And if you're not a parent or you don't have kids in the home anymore, this message is for you too. It's really um, for everyone. So it's going to be applicable to all people. And you know, kids, they don't come with an instruction manual. So you uh, have them at the hospital, especially your first one. You know, they, they hand you the baby, they will you out, they dump you in your car, and then they say, see you later. And you get home and you're like, what do I do with this thing? You know, I don't know if anybody else felt like that, but Scott and I certainly did. The first night that we brought Luke home from the hospital, he cried until like 3 in the morning, like screaming, crying. I think Scott and I were crying. Luke was crying. We didn't know what to do. They said, you know, at the hospital, don't give him a pacifier. You know, if you're trying to nurse, don't do all of that. So out of desperation, we finally called the uh, nursery nurse from the hospital. And, you know, we're like, what do we do? And uh, we said, they said not to give him a pacifier, and she said, well, that's a nice theory, but I would probably give him a pacifier, and we grabbed a pacifier, we put it in Luke's mouth, and within, like, I think 0.2 seconds, he was, like, sound asleep. Scott and I looked at each other, and we're like, we need an instruction manual. <laughs> it was, uh, and, you know, last time I told you I lost my kid at Disney World, and, uh, you know, since I had preached about that, I heard a message, and somebody said, if you've ever lost your kid, don't feel bad, because Mary and Joseph they lost the Son of God for three days. So I was like, okay, so everybody judging me, just like don't judge me quite as harshly anymore. Um, so yeah, there's there's no instruction manual uh, for, you know, all those physical things of raising kids. But thankfully, God did give us an instruction manual on how to raise godly kids and, and kids who really love Jesus. And 
we're going to take some time to unpack that today because it can be a little bit hard to decipher sometimes because all kids are different and how does that apply um, and, and what do we do. And so when the Bible says God's given us everything we need for life and godliness, uh, we truly believe that he's given us everything that we need to raise our kids, to love Jesus, and to have relationship with him. And so we're going to spend a few minutes talking about that. So we're going to jump in and you have notes in your bulletin. You also have like you the you version app that has the notes every week. So you can take notes there. Um, either way, save them uh, either way. So uh, if you have your notes and they're out and you like to take notes, uh, this is the first thing to write down because it's really the essential thing. Number one is this, is that we are in love with them first. That we're in love with them first. So, um, you know, that, that I would say would be the baseline, the essential. Because there's a big difference. And I want to take a minute to talk about this because I think it's so important. It's something that, like, um, you know that you feel this, but you're trying to find scriptural basis for it. You know, is this really a real thing? Because you always want to, your feelings sometimes can uh, not be correct. And so that's why we always go back to God's word and say, okay, God, what is the scriptural precedence for how I'm feeling? Is this correct? And there's a difference in being in love and loving someone. Like through the years, being in ministry, we've known a lot of couples who love each other, but they're not necessarily in love anymore. And so there's, there's a difference between those two feelings, those two things, and it's the same way in our relationship with Jesus. And I want to take a moment to look at a scripture in John 21. And just to set it up, it's, um, you've probably heard this uh, whole story before, but it's Jesus. He's been um, crucified. He's been resurrected. And he goes back to Peter after Peter's denied him uh, three times. And he goes to kind of restore Peter. And when he's talking to Peter, he says this. He says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. And I put the Greek word in there because that's what we're going to focus on. Do you love, agape love? me more than these. And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love, but he uses a different word. He uses this word phileo. And don't worry, our whole um, message is not going to be Greek and Hebrew. Okay. So uh, do you phileo, do you love me? And he says, yes, I phileo love you. And then he says, well, then feed my lambs. And then again, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love, agape, love me. And he says, yes, Lord, you know that I, that's supposed to say phileo, love you. And then the next scripture says, take care of my sheep. And then he says a third time, Simon, son of John, do you phileo love me? And Peter was hurt. And notice that Jesus, this time Jesus uses the word phileo. He doesn't use the word agape. And he says, Peter was hurt because he asked him the third time, do you phileo love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. I phileo love you. And what's so interesting is I began thinking about this thought, which is what led me to this scripture of like being in love with Jesus and loving Jesus. I'm like, did Jesus see this difference? Does the Bible make this characteristic difference of these two feelings towards God? Because here's what agape love is. Agape love is like this unconditional, not based on emotion or feelings, love that is a very Christ-like love. It's Jesus dying on the cross. I don't feel like dying on the cross. And we know that because in the garden, Jesus says, like, if there's any way, like, I don't want to do this, God, but whatever your will is. And so it's 
this very head felt love, like I'm going to do this, this is the right thing to do because I love you. And then phileo love is this up close, personal, relational love that um, you see you see it with David and Jonathan. You see it with Peter and Jesus right here. And Jesus says, do you phileo love me? He wants to know, Peter, do you love me? Do you like not just love me with your head, but are you in love with me? Do you love me with your heart? And Peter says, yes, I know, you know that I love you. And then Jesus uses it in other instances in the Bible when you go to John 16. And he's trying to prepare the disciples that he's leaving. And he says, you know what? God phileo loves you, disciples, because you love me in that way. And the reason I point this out is because it's super important because it makes a, a huge difference in your relationship with God because in the in love, you know what it's like when you see two people who are in love, they've just met each other and you're like, please stop, right? <laughs> okay, that, that's the kind of like God doesn't want us to just have this like, yes, I'm doing this because I know the son of God died for me, God gave his life for me. And so I love you, God, because I I acknowledge everything you do. God, he created us as not just like intellectual and that, yes, I understand this, but he created us as emotional beings too. And so he wants us to love him in both ways, in this phileo love and this agape love. And it's in this phileo love that when our kids see this, they begin to go, oh, that's the kind of relationship that I have with God. I don't just have this like, and, and not that these things are good and I'll talk to you about these later, but this check mark of like, I do this, I do this, but like my parents, they love Jesus. And probably the best way I'd know how to describe it is to take a look at what a marriage relationship looks like. Because really everything God's given us physical is a representation of something spiritual. And Paul even says this in Ephesians in this scripture. He says, as scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And then he says this, this is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. And so you see that God is saying like here, this like in love that you see in couples who are married, it's the same thing. It's a representation of our love for each other, which has a phileo love and this agape love component. And so I said, earlier that we've seen couples who are in love and then we've seen couples who love each other which by the way if you're married in here, this is why we encourage you, be involved in a small group. Register for the marriage conference that's coming up in February of 2020. Be involved in those things and build your marriage. Because if you're not there, you'll get to a place where you need to cultivate that love. And if you are there, small groups and conferences and things like that that we put on our ways to continue to cultivate what God wants to do in your life and in your marriage. And so being in community, that's why we push that so hard. Because when you surround yourself with people, People, God uses them to build you up. And so um, you see this in this marriage relationship. And, you know, I look at Scott and I, we are empty, new empty nesters after, a, let's see, Luke's 20. So after 20 years, we're by ourselves again. Um, it's been uh, an amazing time, but it's also been, you know, like, okay, it's me and you again. Like, we're doing things that we did all those years ago before we had kids. And one of the things that we have discovered in being empty nesters is that we are still in love. 
like, we still, like, really like each other. And that's a great place to be. One time I heard uh, Colin Powell say at a conference, and he said, you know, he'd been flying around on Air Force One, and he'd been doing all these really important things. And I think his wife's name was Ruth. And uh, he was sitting across the table, he said, from Ruth, and he'd been, you know, home and retired for about a month. And they were drinking coffee, and she said, uh, you're going to need to find something to do. <laughs> and so... Um, you know, it's an adjustment whenever you get to that uh, stage again. But one of the reasons that I truly believe, and I'm going to relate this back to our relationship to God, that Scott and I still have this strong marriage and this in love is because we've spent time cultivating that. So for since our kids started school um, for the last 15 years, every Friday we go on a date. And so this isn't like a fancy date and you have to get ready to spend lots of money. I mean, like we may go and eat somewhere together after we work out, something casual, you know. But we spend time sitting across the table from each other, looking each other in the eye, listening, laughing, hearing about their week, hearing what their heart is saying. We spend time with one another cultivating that relationship so that it's not like we're strangers when the kids aren't walking out of the house anymore. We cultivate that. Whenever One of the greatest things, if you're a parent of teenagers in here is when both of your kids get into student ministry, okay? Take advantage of that because then you can send them, like fall retreat's coming up in a couple weeks, you can send them both to fall retreat and then you get to do something fun for yourself. So it's a great time. I know the first time um, probably eight years ago, Scott and I sent both of our kids to fall retreat and we decided Scott wanted a Jeep and so we decided we were going to go to Colorado, looked all around and we went to Colorado and bought this Jeep and then we drove the Jeep back home. And it was so funny because it was really the first time that we've like had a little getaway to ourselves. And we, we got kind of a kick out of it because we're like, I really still like hanging out with you. You know, and you have this rediscovery time where, like, kids aren't talking in the back seat or screaming or crying. You know, it's, it's all different seasons of life, and you have to learn how to carve out time to cultivate those moments for yourselves. Because when it all comes down to it, it's you two. The marriage has to be the strong to have strong kids. And so cultivating that marriage. And here's the thing. Our kids know it about us. And they comment all the time, um, like, you know, I, I want to have a marriage like you. I, I, and Avery, she'll say, Dad still opens the door for you. And, and she kind of like says it in like a, you're very spoiled, you know, kind of way. Um, you know. And she'll say, I wonder why she always says this to me and not Scott, but she'll be always say like, um, Dad's so nice to you. Like you are so lucky. He is nicer than any, hus any dad or husband I've been around. You know, I'm like, why doesn't she ever say I'm so nice? <laughs> is she saying that to you, babe? I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, and it's because we've spent time cultivating this, and it makes our kids go, I want that. I want that. And here's the thing, how that relates, when we have this passion relationship with Jesus, when we're cultivating that, when we're carving out time and spending time with him and having those up close and personal moments. Because here's the thing, when you spend that up close and personal time with Jesus and you carve out that time and he speaks things into your soul that no one else can speak into your soul and he refreshes you and he does things that nothing else in this world can do. No show, no entertainment, no no vacation, no money, no nothing can build in you. It elicits a love response. Then you go, God, I'm all yours. I love you. And your kids see that and they go, I want that kind of faith. 
I want what my mom and dad, I want that kind of faith. So that's why we look at that. And the Bible even says it when you go all the way back to Deuteronomy and you're in the Israelites, they've left Egypt and they're trying to go into the promised land. And God's saying, hey, I've given you all these things. And here's what he says to parents. He says this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. He didn't say memorize and be on your mind. I mean, in essence, yes. But what he's saying is I want you to know it. I want you to feel it. I want you to phileo that. Because when you do that, it impresses it on your kids. Where they want that faith. They want that relationship that they see that you have. So parents, um, to ra- and really, let me tell you this. Like, if you're sitting in this room today and you're like, I don't know that kind of love. That love is open always from God to you. Like, it, it's not just teaching it to our kids. You may need to take that next step of faith and say, I want to know Jesus in that passionate way. Because there's a deeper, it, let me tell you, if I had to come to church every Sunday, and and God was not like uh, working in my life, and I didn't hear him speaking personally to me, and I didn't see his provision in my life and feel his love in my life, I would not come. Like, it's hard, like, to you for getting up on Sunday mornings and being here today, because it's tough to do that and get everybody together and get yourself together. It's hard to be committed to a small group sometimes. All those things that bring such blessing and such fruit aren't always easy. For sure. But what I know is that when we cultivate those things, we get to know God up close and personal. And that's what makes all of that come to real life. So that's my hope. That's not in just like parenting your kids, but today it awakens something in you to go, I want to know God in that way. That's the essential starting point for raising a kid that's in love with Jesus. And then the next thing um, for that that I would say, if we're going to look at a progression of that, is this right here. Uh, Point number two, it says this, living a God-first life. Living a God-first life, and this is not easy, living a God-first life, because you have a whole bunch of things that are saying, no, I want to be first. I want to be first. But here's what um, the Bible tells us, that extension of that Deuteronomy scripture says this right here. If you guys will put it up on the screen. Uh, It's the next scripture. So that was the first one. Um, You shall teach them diligently to your children, impressing God's precepts on their minds and penetrating their hearts with his truth. And shall speak of them when you sit in your house and when you walk on the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hands and they shall be used as bands on your forehead. You shall write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. You guys, the parentheses there, a lot of times I'll use scriptures out of the Amplified Bible. If you're wondering what that is or you're wanting kind of a deeper understanding or meaning, the Amplified Bible will give you kind of a full expanded of um what the original text meant. So it kind of helps you to understand in a deeper sense God's word. And so here, Deuteronomy is saying like, teach them to your children. You may be in love with Jesus, but you got to learn. Like I love Scott, but I had to learn 
how to love him well. Because at the first, we didn't know. Like, we were yelling at each other. You guys have heard stories of, you know, Scott and I. I was Poor Scott. His cousins are the ones who led me to Christ. And that was before Scott was a Christian. And so they mentored me. And they discipled me. And then we'd get in a fight. And I'd call Jason and Michelle. And I'd be crying. And be like, Scott did this, blah, blah, You know, and he just endured it so kindly, you know. And I, I just think, wow. And I had, but I had to learn how to, how to be a wife and, and, to, and to be kind and loving and what true love meant. And your kids, they have to learn that too. And we have to be the ones who are impressing that on them, who are teaching them, who are spending time. So how do we do that? Because everything else is pressing in real big, and we have to model it. So here's some of the top things that we felt like in our family were things that helped to get our kids to the point that they are now that we found were super beneficial in this next stage of really training up kids. And the first one is church and putting church at the top of the list. And here's why. Let's see, Scott and I have loved the church since before we did it for a living, okay? So this is not like, hey, well, we work here, so this is, you know, at the top of our list. Like, um, the church was at the top of our list because the church is the hope of the world, okay? And the Bible says in Psalms 92 this, those who are planted, if you guys will put that scripture up there, those who are planted, well, wait just a minute, nope, okay, so maybe that one's not going to be up there for him, so don't put that scripture yet. Um, those who are planted in Psalm 92, 13, in the house of the Lord will flourish, okay? And planted means like I got my feet, both of them in, I'm firmly planted, I'm making relationships, I'm here, I'm serving, I'm building the church. And what we've seen is that our kids are surrounded by a community of people who care about them, who love them, who are building in. And now the church is at the top of their list. And, and they know how to get fed every week. And then they also know how to feed other people. So it's not just an in relationship. It's an in and out. It's a receiving and giving, receiving and giving. They are planted. Because here's what we do sometimes. We inoculate our kids to church. So we all know, like, it's flu season, so everybody's getting Who's gotten a flu shot already? Anybody? I don't get them because the one time I got it, I got the flu. So I decided I'm not doing that. Um, but you, you get, what does it do? What does a flu shot do? Gives you a small piece of the flu, right? And when it gives you a small piece of the flu, then it makes you immune to the flu if you get exposed to it. And sometimes we do that with our kids. We give them a small piece of church, but it's just enough to kind of make them go, eh, yeah, okay, I can, I can come, I can be casual, I don't have to be committed. And, and I say this like in all like love, don't worry, the real preacher will be back next week if y'all don't like what I say, okay? Um, is that putting church at the top of your list, plant your kids, and the Bible promises that when we plant ourselves in the house of the Lord, that we will flourish, okay? So I would say put church at the top of your list. The next thing are family devotions. As a parent, this is like paramount to spend time. Here's one of the scriptures in the Bible that blows me away the most, almost out of every scripture that I read, and it's not in, up there. So if you guys want to write this down, 
It's in Judges 2.10. It says this, after that whole, okay, so the children of Israel, they've left Egypt, they've come to the promised land, and they are in the promised land. And this is what the Bible says in Judges chapter 2. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor knew what he had done for Israel. Does that not blow you away? A whole generation came up after God had brought these people out of Egypt. He had parted the Red Sea. He had provided manna for 40 years. He had done all these miracles, and they didn't tell their kids about him. They didn't pass it on. And it says a whole generation came up that didn't know a thing about what God had done. If we don't tell our kids, if we don't communicate passion, if we don't spend time saying, this is what God's done for me, this is what scripture says, and I don't mean this out of a duty way, and I I mean it, it's all going to come out of that first step, that love, that we're communicating what God has done in us, and how great he's been to us, and how great he's been throughout time in scripture, and we spend time doing that, it instills, it trains our kids, it shows them this is what it means to know God in a personal way. I have a little video of one of our devotions because Scott, in case y'all follow him on Instagram or anything, videos our whole life. Y'all probably know by now. So that's good sometimes. So here is a video of us in family devotions one night that I just, we discovered this week. That's it. You get one little voice of Avery. And so I don't know why the lights are off or why we have candles going um, for that devotion. (laughs) We're not doing like some kind of weird devotion thing. (laughs) Okay, but um, we spend time like talking and then letting them talk back about what God is doing in their life and, and what God's doing in our life. And Listen, I know it's tough because here's the deal. When they're little, all you want them to do is go to bed, right? You're like, please, just go to sleep. Um, And you want to sit down on the couch and do nothing. And you know, once they even get in bed, it's going to be like nine times. Can I need a drink of water? What what about this? You know, you're like, get in bed. And so I get that. It is like you've cleaned up dinner, you've given them baths, and you're just like, okay. But I would encourage you, take that time. Carve it out, plan a devotion, even if it's five minutes. Most of our devotions, the the Bibles that we give out for um, child dedication that are the children's Bible, the white one with the stories, that's what we use most every night for our family devotions. And we just read. As the kids got older, of course, the devotions got different. But I I still, to this day, this past week, I told my kids um, and Scott, we have a family text that we do. And I said, you know, uh, let's in October, let's pick some kind of devotion and you version and read through the devotion and then you can share on you version like what your thoughts are I still I texted Avery at school this last week I said are you reading your Bible you know and praying and she said uh no I haven't really had time to do that but then the next turnaround she was talking and I heard her say well I've been watching messages by Chad Veach because mom asked me about if I was doing my devotions or not and I thought exactly like we're not at the finish line and really you don't realize it when you have a kid but there is no finish line in parenting (laughs) like you're like, I was tricked into this. Um, <laughs> there, it's, a, it's a constant deal. Um, and so take that time. Train up your kids. Have that family devotion time. And next one, 
is student ministry and small groups. And I'm just trying to share a few things because sometimes these things we take for granted that maybe people know these things and they don't. Student ministry, if you have a teenager, should be paramount that your kids are a part of it. And here is why. The Bible says this in Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. Okay, let me tell you this. Your kids' schools are full of fools. Okay, and, and if you don't take the time to help them build wise, godly companionship and mentors and youth leaders who can pour into them and speak truth and that they have a safe place to go and ask questions. My son, I was with him in Alabama this past weekend, and he was on the phone with a kid that he's grown up in this church with in student ministry. They started together in sixth grade, and this kid was asking Luke, hey, this is what's happening with me and my girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. What do you think about that? Still getting advice. My daughter Avery is in college and she has a youth leader who now leads the nine, Morgan. I think she's somewhere here and her husband Aaron who plays guitar. They've been speaking into Avery's life for seven years. They've been speaking truth and they've been a safe place for her. And it's real hard for me as a parent not to go to Morgan and be like, what did Avery say? <laughs> you know, you can't do that parents, okay? And I know it's hard to get your kids here on Wednesday night and to be a part of student ministry, but I'm just telling you, like, you, you can take it or leave it and you can bring it before God and say, should I? But having your kids in part of a community that will help them to walk with the wise does leaps and bounds for helping them to take that next step of faith. So I would encourage you that in small groups, get involved in a small group as a family. My kids' closest friends right now, both of my kids are kids that their families have been in small group with us for the last nine years. Those are the people that they call on. They have other friends, but those are their call on friends. Like those are the people that they go, I know they believe the same way. They're going to give me the right advice. We can do life together. Get involved in a small group. And then I'm going to try and um, rush through the last couple of ones. Uh, memorize scripture together. This is so important. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Sometimes like one time our kids are doing something and I'm like, how can I expect them to be doing the truth if I haven't ever get, gotten any word put into their heart that leads them in a different direction? The word is what changes kids' lives. And so teach them. We have memorized scripture together throughout time. When my kids were three and four and I was a stay-at-home mom, we were making little sheep, you know, and putting little cotton balls on and we are memorizing scripture and putting them on the refrigerator. Take time and memorize scripture with your kids because that's the soup, the truth that will guide them. That's the way that's going to show you can't get out what you don't put in. And then the last two um, for just these things that are training elements are people. We value people. We've always told our kids, like, we value people. When the Bible says put others above yourselves, like Avery, sometimes she would ask me, why are you ever on my side? Because it, she'd say something about somebody, and I'd be like, well, they this, or this has been their background, or they, you know. And, and so we are trying to help our kids. When they were mean to each other, we were like, no. We are not mean to each other as a family. That's the bottom line. And the reason why is because God values Luke and God values Avery. And so we value each other because of the value God has placed on them. And we, tr we help them to see that. The way we treat people at the drive-thru. Teach your kids. This is what it means to be in love with Jesus is to love his people too. And then the last one is our possessions. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it is what the scripture says in Psalm 24. I would encourage you, like, help your kids to know, like, I give. I give of my time. I give of my talent. I give of my treasure. We tithe. We taught our kids to tithe. And some of the best lessons that they've learned of giving back to God, God has so quickly shown them. This is what it means to put God at the top of the list. And here's probably the best thing I'm going to share with you all day is this scripture about training your child. And it's absolutely amazing. 
says this in Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, teaching him to seek God's wisdom and will for his abilities and talents. And even when he's old, he won't depart from it. Train, train. Training is not a one-time event. Training is like over and over and over and over. Like sometimes I would treat my kids like I should tell you this one time and you should have it. Like I said, don't do that. So don't, don't, I should never have to remind you again in your entire life, right? Training is a repeated thing. Training them for church, training them for serving, training them for reading their Bible, training them for praying, training them for loving people. It's an over repeated, repeated process. And then here's the thing that is like the best nugget probably out of the whole thing. And this is from the Amplified Bible. Teaching him to seek God's wisdom and will for his abilities and talents. Here's what that means. Parenting is not cookie cutter. Like I can't apply to Luke, what do I apply to Avery? Like because they are completely different people with different gifts, different passions, different ways that they respond. So as a parent, I would encourage you, know your kid. Let him take a personality test. We give the DISC personality and growth track. Go through growth track. It starts next Sunday. And take your kids. If they're Mm, you know, sixth grade or above, they could probably go through growth track with you. If not, get online. Give them a personality test. My daughter, Avery, she calls me the other day and she's like, I had my roommate do the personality test so I could really understand her better. And I was like, you did? And she's like, yes. And I decided she's like Luke. And so, um, you know, like help them, like, because they're going to flourish in who God made them to be. And so we have to train them up in who they are. So I encourage you, understand who your kids are. Because if you try and apply some formula that's cookie cutter, you're probably not going to get the result that you want. But if you will understand who they are, and that comes from praying to and asking God, God, show me, empower me to lead this child that you've entrusted to me. And so those are some of the best things. And then the last one is this. We allow them to learn to put him first. Okay, in the age of helicopter parenting, we don't want our kids to make any mistakes, right? <laughs> like, okay, I don't, no, you can't do this, you can't do that. We're calling the teacher. Like Luke's 20 and something happened at college and I wanted to call the college. <laughs> I'm like, okay, don't do that, <laughs> you know. Um, because we, you know, we just, we want everything to go perfect for these little precious babies, right? And I get that. But some of the best things that we can do for their faith is allow them to skin their knees a little bit in a safe environment. You got to start giving that rope and letting them choose. There came a point with Avery when she was a sophomore that we said, we sat down, we said, do you want to be a Christian? Like, is that what you want? Because, you know, her actions at that time weren't really showing that. She's going to love that I shared that, so y'all don't, <laughs> don't tell her. Um, <laughs> you know, and, we, and she said, yes, I do, but it's so hard. It's so hard at school. And we had to work her through, you know, this is what it looks like. And, and here's the thing. When we begin to release, we do age-appropriate releasing. That doesn't mean, you know, when they're 13, hey, all, or 16, hey, all, you know, controls are off. It's an age-appropriate. And then here's the thing. That's why being involved in a small group is so good. That's why being involved in student ministry is so good because there are many times sitting at my dining room table, I'd say, are you letting your kid do that? Are you letting your kid do that? Or I'd have a parent call me and say, your kid is doing this. <laughs> and I'm like, eh. you know, you don't like that. But I was glad for it, right? 
That's why. And so we do this releasing, but then it's a release, pull back, release, pull back until they start to get it and they want it. Because here's the ultimate thing is that your faith, the last part of this scripture, and I'm not sure that I put it in there, but your faith should transfer to them. And then it has to become their faith. I'm still having conversations with my kids and say, you have to want it. And, and that's tough because here's what happens when we start to release. We have to sit by and watch this person that we love more than anything in the world make mistakes. They're going to hurt them and they hurt you and it's a tense, hard time. But here's the thing, they're going to fail. And they need to fail because a lot of times in that failure, they learn to the grace and the reconciliation of God and what the right way is, and they get to own their faith. And so we don't, when they fail, parents, and we fail because we do lose our temper and get mad and all that. I'm not saying I haven't done that, but it should be no shock to us when they fail. When you find out your kid has done something, you know, you just, you, you tend to just explode them. Why did you do that? And you know better and blah, blah, blah. And you should look back at yourself and go, because you fell too. Yeah, I mean, that's the deal. So we extend them grace and we restore them and we let them begin to love Jesus on their own. That's how in my, like, in praying through this and looking through this and raising kids, that's kind of the end game for us is that we love Jesus with all our hearts. Then we train them, repeated over and over, putting God first. This is how, and then we begin to release them to do that. That's what it's all about. And so that's why also we have all, you know, all kinds of people on staff that you can resource and ask, like, how do I do this and help? And Kids Ministry puts out parent cues to, to help you with devotions and things like that. But in closing, I want to say this, that this message, again, is not for just, just all of you that are parents. God is speaking to your heart in one way or another. Because really, the bottom line is, in your faith, this is all of us. This is all of us pursuing. This is all of us being in love in with Jesus. This is God wanting all of us to put God at the top and put him first so that we can know him and see God, those blessings in our lives. So, you know, if you're here today and you go, you know what, I, I don't know. Um, if that's me, I've never felt that kind of love that she's talking about. God wants you to feel that kind of love. That, that's, that's the plain and simple of it. If you're here and you're a parent and you go, okay, I'm failing. I didn't check any of those boxes. Well, you know, the great thing with God is the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. That you can start today. Like today is the first day of the future. Like you can gather your kids together today. You can join a small group today. You can make a positive step in your marriage today. You can do that as a parent. And if you're a student, a young person here, and, and you haven't been listening to the people who love you the most, you know, and you haven't been paying attention to, to what they're saying or listening to God's voice in your life, you know what, and God may be speaking to you today, and today is not too late for you to do that. And, and that's the point of coming together is that the Bible says the anointing breaks the yoke. And so if God is speaking to you today and, and moving your heart, I'm going to ask you to take a step. And so will you bow your heads with me as we pray? And if you have felt that in your heart, wherever you're at, God's saying to you, I want to have that phileo love relationship with you. The reason we have you close your eyes is so that you can reflect so that you can kind of take that pause time, think about what God is saying to you. 
you may be here today and you're like, gosh, I needed to get it together in the parenting department. I, I don't want my kid to be the children of Israel that don't know, the next generation that doesn't know. And I want to take some steps today to change that. Or you may be a student that says, I'm going one way and I need to turn around because I've been so blessed to know the truth and yet I've been running from that truth. What I would love for us to do is to respond to God. That's what God would love is for you to respond. And this is, this is what we're going to do. One of the best ways to respond is just say, raise your hand and say, that's me. That's me. It acknowledges it to yourself. Acknowledges it to God. It acknowledges it to Satan that he's no longer going to win. So when I count to three, if God has been speaking to you today, I just want you to raise your hand without anybody looking around and say, that's me, and I'm going to make a change. I'm going to take a step. So I encourage you, be brave, raise that hand, and then let's pray and ask God to do what only he can do in our lives. So one, two, three. If that's you, raise your hand today. Absolutely. Yeah, so many people raising your hand. Anybody else, give me time. If that's you and God's speaking to you, just acknowledge it. Absolutely. Anybody else? You say, God's speaking to me today. I'm going to be brave. I'm just going to acknowledge it before him today. So there's tons of people who've raised their hands. So we're going to take a moment and we're going to pray today. And as I pray... I, I encourage you to just pray the prayer of your heart. It doesn't have to be something that you've ever prayed before. You know how you can say it out loud. You can say it in your heart. But the thing is just to say, God, I'm ready for that next step. I'm ready to have a love relationship with you. I'm ready to be the parent or the grandparent that you've called me to be. I'm ready to turn around and begin to live my life the way God's called me to live it. Let's pray today. Father, we love you. And God, we believe Lord, that you're not only the God of the whole universe, but Lord, that you love us and that you want to know us personally. And so God, this morning, I just, I pray, Lord, for those who have said, that's me. I hear you speaking and I wanna respond to that. God, I pray this morning that as they have responded, that your Holy Spirit would begin to just work in their hearts and their lives, assuring them that you hear their prayers, you see their hands, you know those steps, and God, that you want to do what only you can do in their life today. And God, we're going to trust you for that, and we're going to believe, God, that we're going to see marriages healed and changed. Kids, God, who grow up loving and knowing you personally, God, people full of who you are, reaching the world, God, by what you're doing in this moment. Lord, we love you and we worship you and we thank you that you're a God of grace that speaks to us through your word and then moves us to respond. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. If that's you today and you said, yeah, I raised my hand, God's speaking to me, I want to encourage you to take a step and act on it. So there's a communication card in the uh, bulletin. You can fill out that communication card and just say, I want to join a small group. I want to be baptized. I committed my life to Christ today. I want more resources on being a godly parent. There are a comment section of that communication card. We're going to um, have buckets at the back doors. You can put it there. You can drop it at the welcome area, whatever you do. But don't leave this place today without taking a step. That's the goal. Take that next step that God has for you. Let's stand and let's worship and just let God finish the work that he's 